0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Football Faithful Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Steen, and uh, joining me, as always, is Peter Henry. Hiya, Peter. Evening, lads. Harry Diamond is is there as well. Hi, Harry. How are we, lads? I'm um, good. Now, sort of dispensing with the formalities, because there's just so much to get through. Uh, we'll start, as we always do, with your moment of the week. Harry, let's start with you for a change.
1: I've gone for uh, Tony Khan and his tweets following Fulham's rather awful defeat to Aston Villa. Um, he's not the most popular man with the Fulham supporters, but I thought it was a bit of a refreshing change to see him come out. So anyone who's not seen it, he's basically come out after the defeat, gone on Twitter and said, look, I know pretty much, I know we're shit. I know we need centre-backs. We're trying. We tried. We've, this hasn't worked. We're going to keep going till the deadline and see what happens. And I just think as unpopular as he is, it was, it was refreshing to see someone in that position at a, at a Premier League side to come out and Basically, explain the ins and outs and keep fans in the
2: loop of what's
0: going on. Yeah, I don't know if he's keeping him in the loop or just buying himself a bit more time. <laughs> Peter, Peter, what about you? What's your moment of the week?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go. It's more of a kind of an hour than than a just a one moment. But uh, just the whole um, the whole build up to the West Brom Chelsea game with with Jamie Redknapp giving Thiago Silva the big and you know he was made the captain and all the rest. But the impact he's had around the place and He's going to sort the defence out with all this. And then you get, you get into the game, and Chelsea are down 3 0 after 27 minutes after defensive howlers. Thiago Silva's fallen on his arse, um, let Callum Robinson in to score. And, you know, just the way Chelsea were set up was, was ridiculous. Like, there was like they were playing a 2 2 6 or something. It was a joke. And it's just more credence to the kind of. To the uh, theory that Frank Lampard's got got two hundred million to build a house, and he just spent it all on a fancy interior and chandeliers, and he forgot he forgot you need a foundation because if he thinks a thirty-six-year-old Thiago Silva is going to be able to defend, you know, as part of a two-man backline for the rest of the season, you can forget it. So uh, just watching that all crumble, I was just in bits laughing. By the time the third goal went in, it was just. Absolutely
0: hilarious. And you love to see it. Uh, I mean, there's there's so much to talk about. It's it's, it's funny, actually. Among all the sort of handballs that were or weren't and the uh, penalties after the final whistle is gone and all the general madness and chaos that you're sort of describing there, one of the least strange things was maybe the biggest game of the weekend. That was Liverpool and Arsenal. Liverpool won 3-1 uh, in the end. Um, I suppose maybe the strange thing in that was that Arsenal... Despite losing three one, Peter, were actually decent.
2: Ah, well, they yeah, they were. Arsenal hung in there. I think it, the difference w- compared to years gone by where it w- would have been that Arsenal wouldn't have had hung in there. They would have, you know, been kind of four 0 down at half time or something. But you know, there's no there's no dressing it up either that they were just hanging in there and Liverpool were absolutely far superior in, in in every facet of their play they they stopped arsenal from playing out from the back they stopped arsenal from counter-attacking and um, so it was nowhere near as as close a game as say the, the community shield was or arsenal's kind of game plan didn't work anywhere near as well Um, as it did say against man city in, in the in the fa cup Um they got out through the press once and that's actually where the goal came from. I know it was a mistake from Robertson, but they actually did really well to get out from it there. But I thought Liverpool were phenomenal and um, like Salah just looks, Salah looks as, as sharp as ever. Mane was like, forgetting what Mane does on the ball, he was just like a, I don't know, like a, like a whip it going around like snapping at people's heels. Their pressing was just phenomenal. The buttons actually looked really good for once, not necessarily on the ball, but just his work right around the place. And Fabinho was class, um yeah, geez, Liverpool are, now my takeaway from it, Sam, wouldn't be Arsenal were good there. I think Arsenal has done a, a good job and that's clear to see. I think they're very much in it in with a shout for third and fourth position. But um my real takeaway from that game is well, Liverpool are going to win this league again quite comfortably. Um, they, they've had a tough start, you know. They had leads, they did enough. They, they, you know, I think they still would have bet Chelsea quite comfortably in the second game, and then, you know, they looked they looked really on top form um, yesterday, and uh, they're going to take some stopping. Uh, they they look they looked really good, and you know, you consider they still have Henderson and Thiago to come into that team as well. It's a uh, it's scary stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, so so not sloppy at all, then Harry. Uh, I guess he must be pretty happy as a Liverpool fan hearing that, and pleased as well that Jota got a debut goal.
2: Yeah,
1: it was uh, it was good to see him come on. I thought he he missed a good chance before the goal, um, but he he's such an upgrade, I think, on what we've had coming on before. With Origi is a is like a difficult player to assess because he comes on, he tries hard most of the time, he looks pretty awful, but he turns up with goals but Jota looks like someone who can actually step in and the, the level of quality not drop significantly um, I thought he took his goal really well the finish was good and yeah he was positive I, th- I think Liverpool as Peter was saying I just I just can't see any way any team can stop them at the moment like they've just got so many ways to win games I thought the backs were brilliant um, against Arsenal they look back to the best they're good at set pieces. The pressing is unbelievable. They they bypassed Arsenal's press with Van Dijk's passing out the back. Uh, yeah, I just can't see any way that anyone's going to bridge the gap
0: to him at the moment. So you're both pretty convinced then that uh, Liverpool are the team to beat. I think there were questions about that just before the season started. Uh, City, I know you guys are both very impressed by uh, when we did our first part of the part of the season, Peter. They. They don't look like they're quite at it.
2: Yeah, well, I think we did. What we said last um, last week was that they looked really, really sharp against Wolves. But in that second half, there was... Um,
0: there were there hints, was, you sorry, kind of said, yeah.
2: Yeah, you could see that Wolves really had them on on, on the rack for, for a bit. I know it finished 3-1, but Jesus' goal was, was kind of an injury time. and yeah, it, Wolves did create enough chances to get back into it, even if Man City were probably better in the game overall. And um, look, it's, it's it's a long-standing thing with, with Man City. You, you get chances against them. Um, like 5-2 at home against Leicester. That's, that's, that
0: Leicester love playing City, though, don't they?
2: Yeah, well, well I, I, they've had some big results against them over the, the years. But 5-2, three penalties, that's bad. Um, you know, you, they've signed Ruben Diaz now. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on that lad coming in. Um, you know he's only 23 24 i would have thought maybe they needed a more experienced player coming in Uh we'll see he's coming from the portuguese league as well that's a massive step up for him I, i'll be honest i don't know a whole lot about him um so i'm not going to you know try predict how he'll do do i just know that there's going to be a, an awful lot of um a l- awful lot of pressure on him um i'd i'd be interested to see how fast he is because I think, I know Guardiola's great team, Barcelona teams didn't necessarily have really fast centre-backs, but just in my head, I think it's it's paramount that he does have a lot of pace because, you know, you're left, them two centre-backs are left, just the two of them at the back quite a lot of the time. And that's how Guardiola's been picked apart in the Champions League a lot of the times, a lot of times when he's come up against top opposition. And I just think, Generally, teams just don't feel as intimidated by City anymore. They kind of think if we can sit in and if we can sit in and we have a couple of play- pacey players up top, we can really, you know, cause them issues. There used to be that feeling a couple of years ago. It doesn't matter what we do against them; they'll just beat us. But I think actually leaving a couple of players in cheating positions and trying to hold out with the rest of your men behind the ball, or even just one. Cutting off the supply lines. Like Vardy dropped it dropped in on kind of Rodri and, and Fernandinho at times. You, you will get chances against them. Um and some of the defense like the three penalties in a game, two of them carbon copies almost with, with Jamie Vardy. Um it, it was it was pretty laughable. And they didn't really looked like scoring, which is, which is a really strange thing, you know. Normally you would have expected them to really come back strong, but it was a really, really concerning performance from Man City point of view. And uh, I think all the rest of the teams in the Premier League were, were looking, going, look, these aren't as formidable as they once were. And I think that's the difference. You know, as Harry said, Liverpool can, can easily sit in the lead now um, if they need to with their back line. Um, Man City can't really do that And they just look so fragile at the back Um, It's something that's been held against them And it's it's kind of important for Guardiola's legacy now as well Because I I kind of had said that his team Was the highest level of football I'd ever seen In the Premier League there for a couple of seasons And I stick by that But if, you know, it's his first time ever doing five seasons at a club If he's here five seasons and he only won the Premier League uh, twice out of them five seasons, I, I think it it kind of takes a little chip off that kind of invincible look that he had for a long time. You know, um, I think, uh, do
0: you think he'd be the type Harry who'd stick around and and try and fix it, or if it doesn't work, do you think he'll be off? Uh,
1: if I'm honest, I'm not too sure. He's from what he says in the press. I know he's not to come out and say that he's he's looking to get off as soon as he can. He seems to be happy, and I think City. Is the kind of job where they're given the opportunity to to build and they're going to give him money to to get it right again. But I just look at City at the moment and just think they they lack leaders in the team. And not necessarily people that are going to scream and shout and organise, but just players who are going to take responsibility. Like apart from De Bruyne, I just don't see that when, when the going gets a bit tougher and they just seem to roll over, which wasn't the case a couple of years back. I think they're in a little bit of transition now with obviously companies gone, silver has gone, and all the players that were so key to their success beforehand. Um, and they're struggling to find the players to step into those roles and, and be the new leaders of a new team at the minute. I guess I'm just going to tell.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, it's something that's come up, I think, Peter, a few times in the past when we've talked about uh, any problems that Guardiola's Guardiola has had. And in terms of rebuilding for him, it's not just a case of bringing in one or two players or even one or two sort of leaders, as Harry says. It's about bringing in a whole bunch of players who will buy into his thing and teaching them his system. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost the mental load on the players that's, that's the problem.
2: Yeah, because he, he's an extremely de- demanding coach as well. You know, there's an argument that maybe, because they have this really strange habit of conceding goals in clusters, like they'll concede three goals in 15 minutes or whatever. And then it, it's gone back a couple of years. And there's a theory, I can't remember, I think I read it in an article the other day, that because it, it's so militaristic almost how he has them coached, where to be, that when what he's told them to do stops working in a game, it's like they don't know what to do anymore.
0: The short you know circus,
2: know the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, kind of, someone like company and that, and I, I think as well. Though I, it was a good point by Harry. Lost a lot of experience. Because company wasn't even playing much for the last couple of seasons. He's he was there, but I don't think you can underestimate how big sometimes, not necessarily a starting player, but a voice in the dressing room is. Um, like like Silva, David Silva, and Vincent Company. That's that's a serious amount of um. Of experience of leadership, um you know be, like David Silva isn't a screamer or a shouter, but he when the team was under pressure, he'd show for the ball and he, he'd be composed and, and you know he'd say a few words, probably in the dressing room or something, and I do think there's there's probably a bit of a gap there, but at the same time it's hard to feel sorry for him because he spent about seven hundred billion on defenders, you know what I mean, so it, you know he, he you know it's hard to feel too too sorry for him um but yeah they, they've lost so much of that kind of that core of that group, you know, the, um, Fernandinho's coming towards the end of his career now, Vincent Company massive David Silva, um, Aguero's out at the moment as well. Um, and yeah, they, they, they I think they could almost deal with another, um, kind of an out and out striker. I, I, I don't know if Jesus will get you enough goals and, and Aguero's kind of, the thing with Aguero is he's brilliant and all, but Aguero's never, I, I don't know the exact stat, but pretty sure he's never, well he never seems to play that much more than 25 games a season and that's been his whole time at city you know mm. um so i i i think they could do with um maybe another striker because they, they've strange over the last few years even in manchester derbies, i've watched them and they can completely play us off the park but you go to the last 10 minutes and they'll be two one up you know they're they can be a bit wasteful with all the everything they create as well so um yeah, it's going to be interesting because he's definitely under he's definitely under pressure at the moment. And like I said, no one will have any sympathy for him either.
0: No, no, I'm sure. I mean, it's it's a funny one. It, obviously, football is all about reaction, reacting massively and overly to whatever has just happened. But it does feel like three games into the season that they're they're not going to win the league.
2: Well, Sam, he he, I th- I thought it was really telling, right, of the actual levels. That the Premier League has got to, and what Liverpool and Man City have done over the last few year, um, few years is like I remember growing up, you'd say, "She you don't even look at the league table until four or five games in." You know, they used, oh, yeah, even, they used to not even show it on match of the day. You know, and after the Wolves game, Guardiola said, "Well, now there's nothing's changed. There was 114 points to play for. Now there's 111 or something." And like that just kind of clicked in my head. That's what he's aiming. He's already aiming at that up above 100 points, thinking that's what he needs to get to yeah, win. Th- you it's know? almost
0: like they're starting on that and then chipping points off, really. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's mad. Um, But, you know, they've they've given themselves, uh, well, a bit of a challenge already, even uh, just this uh, early in the season. Uh, they played Leicester, who beat them off the park. And, uh, you know, I, th- I don't know if any of us really considered them uh, as top four contenders this season maybe we were wrong Harry
1: yeah last week I said, uh, I think they're probably the best equipped of the uh, the best of the rest if you like but looking at them
0: over as in, the, thir- uh, as in third best
1: no uh, as in sorry like to challenge the top six and potentially break into the top four but sure. I, I said last week that I'm not sure whether they were quite good enough but looking at them over the first few games and looking at the likes of Spurs and how United have started I don't see any reason why why they can't push for the top four again. I I think Rodgers has done really well with them since he's gone there. They play good football, they they play for each other, they know what they're good at. Um Vardy is just continuing to to terrorise defences, even though he's he's what close pushing thirty four now. He's his I thought he was brilliant on at the weekend. The way he's just evolved his game. So he's not no longer that that blurring whirlwind of chasing down defenders, is he? But he knows when to burst at the right time and the movement to, to take defenders into places they don't want to go and spin them to win the penalties. And yeah, I, I think Leicester could definitely push for the top four. I know it's very early in the season and it's only a handful of games to look at, but they've if they keep their key players fit, I don't see why they can't challenge now.
0: Well, there was three uh, three penalties in that game, but I think we should maybe start talking about some of the comedy penalties that uh, happened over the weekend. Um, where do you want to start? We start at Spurs, maybe they drew one one. Peter,
2: yeah. Um, obviously, this was this was after you know Lindelof last last week, which was you know a bit of a joke because I was miss hit hit his shot, and then he had the Joel Ward penalty on. Um, on Saturday, Crystal Palace against Everton. Very, very harsh, you know, getting to the stage where you'd nearly have to be a Sabudio man, you'd have to cut off your arms if you're a defender, you know. Um, and then it just kind of, everyone was already giving out about it and it just it reached boiling point on Sunday. Um, Spurs had gone up, Lucas 1-0 up, Lucas Moura. And kind of, you'd say typical Mourinho, they were trying to get the second goal because Newcastle... Newcastle were dreadful. Yeah. Oh yeah, they offered We're nothing. Serious. They'd offered nothing in the game whatsoever. Fair enough, they defended well. But you know what kind of Mourinho not to say Spurs weren't trying to score, but they weren't really, really trying to score. And it was obvious that if they didn't get that second goal, it was just going to get nervy towards the end. So Steve Bruce sends on 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 big big Andy, right? And uh, obviously they start lobbing the ball into the box and it was about the 95th minute when it happened, but two minutes before, there would be a, been a very similar incident where Andy Carroll's gone up in the air, Eric Dyer's jumped with him and is in front of him, and Andy Carroll has headed it down, and it's kind of hit him just below his shoulder, and it wasn't given. And then the 95th minute, they put it up, put the ball into the box again, and of course, Andy Carroll... Up for a header, heads it onto the back of of Eric Dyer's hand. Eric Dyer has his back to it, and and everything hits him in the arm. And it was like it's a ridiculous decision. I, I, part of me honestly thinks though that Andy Carroll was aiming for his arm, because I think Andy Carroll could have quite easily headed that back across goal. Um, I don't know. That might just be fanciful, but you know. I mean, see, even see, if he didn't style tactics, style tactics.
0: Yeah, even if even if he didn't do it on purpose, it's it's an option now, you know. Oh
2: yeah, like if you, if you if you know where to go in the box, you just kick it at the defender's arm, like hundred yeah. percent. Um, but yeah. So anyway, they get the penalty, first shot on goal, uh, boom, Callum Winston scores, um, you know, one one, um, and yeah, of course, Mourinho goes storming, storming off. To be fair, Steve Bruce came out at, you know came out after it and even said, look, it's a nonsense you know it's it's a bit of a joke we all need to get together and kind of and sort this out um roy hodgson very kind of i thought bang on comments after the crystal palace game he's kind of going handball rules pretty simple if if it's you know if it's deliberate it's a handball if it's not it's not um i personally think even if it's not um even if it's not deliberate, but you stop someone scoring a goal, it should still be given them because you stop someone scoring a goal. If you know what I mean?
0: Well, I mean or, it's it's sort of like five-a-side rules. You know when it's you know it's a handball and you know when it isn't. You know what I mean? Everyone sort of just waves on and goes, ah, he didn't mean It's grand play on. Do you know what I yeah. mean? There's a sort of a common sense in there, but I guess that flies in the face of what pundits have been saying for years and what VAR does. You know, it points out what it is and the, you know, the. I don't know. I guess we, we just have to decide which one we want to argue about. If we want to argue yeah. about the marginals and the, you know, he should have given it or he didn't given it, or we want to give out about the, you know, the stupid my, micro handballs. We just have to decide which evil we want. I'm just to it,
2: Sam, to put it into perspective, Harry, what, what was it? Because I know you were working on an article today. The the previous record for penalties is 112 and there's been 19 so far, is that correct, after three weekends?
1: Uh, I think it's 20 and the, if it's at the current rate of yeah. penalties for the whole season, we'll end, we'll end up on 217.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I guess no, this, it's is, just, this is similar to what happened in Italy last year, didn't Immobile score yeah. something like 30 goals and uh, 25 of them were penalties?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well yeah, no... <laughs> It just show, it just shows like how like if you're a penalty taker you're licking you you're licking your lips you're staying for a half an hour after
0: training every day practicing the ball that goal that goal bonus is coming in <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> uh, well there was that one and then uh, if, as if the bizarre handball penalties weren't enough uh, United went and scored one after the final whistle went um, they just managed well with that. Penalty from Bruno Fernandes managed to get past Brighton. Um, Peter, I'm actually going to stick with you just for a second on this one because they got the they got the win, um, but they were terrible again. Man United, that is.
2: Yeah, it got the win. Um, Rashford scored uh, a very good goal after a um, a great through ball by Bruno Fernandes. We got the three points. Apart from that, there's there's not really much to shout about um, over the course of of the opening. Uh, two games, not just the Brighton one. Absolutely shocking display um, defensively, not just the back four. I mean, the midfield, there was like Trossard and Solly March and they they were waltzing around Man United players. It's like they couldn't even tackle it. it was oh, It was a terrible performance. Brighton hit the bar five times. It's a record. Like, ridiculous how, how poor they were. I, I actually thought when Aaron wan in, came back in, you know, I'm very critical of his ability on the ball. I think he's not even Premier League level footballer, but, you know, generally he's a good defender. That's his whole selling point. But he was all over the shop um, in terms of his defensive positioning. When Solie Mark scored the 2-2 to make it 2-2 kind of in injury time, He'd had that same chance. It came came to him in that air, in that same area, unmarked, four or five times already. Like, you know, every fullback can get caught out of possession once. You probably shouldn't be at be at that level, but like this just kept happening and happening. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Pogba was poor in, in the centre of the park. Um, yeah, he's just back from COVID, though. So you know, we, we give him a bit of a bye ball. He's kind of. For a couple of weeks, anyway,
0: but um, is, is it just that they're undercooked? I mean, I know they'll, you know, a slightly shorter preseason with the games in Europe and stuff like that. Is is that it, or is it is it more? I know we talked about the systemic issues at the club, but you know, in terms of the first team, the first team are decent enough or should be decent.
2: Yeah, I I don't know. It's it, it's just with this United team that they they seem to be. um I've talked about the mentality all the time. And I sound like a broken record. But it seems to me like they, they either they're very streaky you know they kind of they're either there's no middle ground with this man united team they never play okay they're either terrible or they're really good and if they put in a really good performance they'll buzz off that for for a few weeks and get more good results but then as as soon as they have a bad result, they don't seem to be able to pick themselves up very quickly and um, you know you could I, I look i'm not really buying that short and pre and all the rest, but I know there was a lot of Kind of messing around with Wambasaka. Come, he went to Dubai when he shouldn't have, or something. And Harry, all that messing with Harry Maguire. Um, but every clubs had them. Well, most clubs have had the similar kind of issues. Um, so, and I think you know as well to keep talking about. Oh, they're they're not quite fit yet. I think that plays into players' minds as well. I do think generally that the atmosphere around the club about new signings and stuff hasn't helped. Um, you know th- th- those players you know we did well to get into the champions um champions league you know finished third last season but there i'm sure them lads are under no illusions that we needed to strengthen to to kind of push on and you're seeing all these other clubs sign and signing and, their uh, players i think also another issue there sam as well the squad isn't settled or anything yet so i'd say you know you're going into training at the moment and there's all these fellows like I know Small is trading on his own, Rojo, Pereira, they're all about to leave, they're all about to, um, you know, there's talk of Sancho and kind of Telez and that coming in, so everything's just a a lot more up in the air than it seems to be at at most other clubs. I know other clubs are kind of active in the market, but it's like United haven't sold or, or really brought anyone in yet. This kind of probably leads into the whole, you know, managers hate the transfer market being open when they... The season is on, you know, because they don't really know what they're dealing with. So I think that's had an effect as well. But um, yeah, there's just a, a, a whole load of issues, and I think yeah, it was good to get the win. But um, you know, it's 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 going to be it's going to be tough for the squad as it is to 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 make uh, to make the Champions League places this year because the defense just looks so bad at the moment. Um, de Gea still doesn't look 100% right um, and then you take it the front three is really good and Bruno and Pogba are good Van der Beek can come in any of them get injured there's a massive drop off and then you know I don't think any of the sitters Massage was a top class player in his day he's, lot, he's not very mobile he never really was I suppose and then McTominay and Fred are, are okay but they're not great so there's there's a, there's a lot of holes in that team um and i think like i said they they don't seem to deal with setbacks very well they they can their form lurches from really good to really bad too much too much to um cause i don't think i i don't know because it's it's, it's kind of interesting because it's still as much as we were saying about man City earlier, I still think them and Liverpool are competing in their own mini league at the top and then there's all their you know, there's probably another you know, six clubs trying to finish third and fourth. Um, and it just depends how good them other clubs are because Spurs don't look great. Chelsea don't look great. It could be another season like last season where you're getting in with 65 points or 66 points. You're kind of getting in by default almost. But um, it's, it's, it's going to be a very up and down season unless we, you know, somehow sign Jaden Sancho. Then we're going to win the Premier League, the Championship, the Europa League, the Champions League. We're going to win everything. Um, but um, for now it's it's uh, I'm not full of optimism, Sam. This club's gonna be the death of me. <laughs>
0: uh, how likely is that Sanchez signing? I saw they put in a bid this evening.
2: Yeah, that, that's Sky were reporting tonight that they put in a hundred million bid, 80 up front and 20 million, which is just absolutely ridiculous considering Borussia Dortmund have said all along it's it's you know 108 million. Um, pounds 120 million euros. Um, Easy up
0: front, though, could change that.
2: Sorry, no, they said 80 euro, Sam 80 <laughs> million euro and 20. And then United United with their ridiculous add ons. Like, if, if to be honest, like if United, supposedly some of the add ons are like if we're in the Champions League, United don't qualify for the Champions League every year, like, mm-hmm. um you know what I mean. So they forget about it, but like, is this what have they been doing for the last three months? They've gone in with a low ball offer, and um, having said that, they'll. Reports from Germany are saying that that offer didn't actually go in. Um, so Sky are wrong. Uh, that's the reports coming out of some reliable sources in Germany. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But it's just absolutely bonkers. If they don't get Sancho, it just shows what a mess the club is because they've hung around, known exactly what Dortmund's price is all summer. And then they go, you know, they're, they're still trying to haggle. Because like, imagine missing out on Jaden Sancho for 20 million euros. Um, it, it just boggles the mind like they, they just don't know when to pick their battles, fair enough they've been getting ripped off in the past, personally I don't know about you lads, I don't think um, £108 million is too much money for Jaden Sancho he's 20, numbers are insane tipped as a future Ball on d'Or winner, apart from that ability he's as marketable as they come you know it's a no brainer, he could be playing for you for 10 years, um, he's Probably apart from mbappe and Hal probably the best young player in European football, so it just I, I i don't know why they're trying to haggle over twenty million euros whatever just go in and pay it if, if you're in a, if you're in a position where you 're trying to get back to the top, you might have to pay a bit more at times. seems like they're maybe counting on him agitating, but why leave it so late i don 't know if it's because of their you know the new new financial year cuts off united 's financial year is September to September, I think so. They could push it into the next, the next um, year's accounts if they do it later in the week. I, I don't know exactly, but it's, it's just an absolute mess to, to leave it this late and to to just be sticking on him as a target. To the tell us they're still negotiating, haggling over a few million. So um, it's just a mess, you know. Obviously, they've been ripped off before, but know when to pick your battles. Like they got ripped off for wan they got ripped off for Harry Maguire. We know all that, but. You know, I don't think 108 million is a rip off for Jaden Sancho, considering what what he brings to the table. Um, so I would just go in and, and pay it. And if they pay it, they can't win now. If they don't get him, it's just I I can't see how, it, like it's just Woodward and and any of them transfer negotiation team, it's going to become untenable for them. And um, if they do go in and pay the money, everyone's just going to say, well, why didn't you just do that in the first place? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Um.
0: Harry, uh, United have Spurs up next, I think, in the league. Out of those two, um, two pretty dysfunctional clubs, I think would be uh, kind. Uh, <laughs> who is the better chance of finishing in the top four? Oh, that's tough. Um, or do either of them?
1: I I think they're both in a serious fight to finish in the top four. I don't. I wouldn't look at either side and think their are the certainties to get them in the Champions League for next year. Think Spurs. A lot may depend on how Bale comes in. If he can stay fit, because if, if Bale comes in and stays fit, Harry Kane stays fit for a full season, and they and they keep Son fit, that front three, it can can fire them into the top four no problem at all. I'd probably lean more towards United if I'm honest. Just just how Peter was saying before, they they are quite streaking. they have they have got that ability to go to go on a roll, as they did towards the second second half of last season, start picking up results, bit of confidence, and put together a little run which would carry them carry them into the top four while while Spurs are more inconsistent week, week to week it feels for me. Um I think I think both can finish in the top four, but I-, I wouldn't put any any money on either of them finishing in the top four at the moment. Yeah,
0: I think that's probably fair. Everton are in third at the minute. Uh, Jama is doing the business again. is um, yes, man. Uh, he's still doing the business. And uh, do you think they can keep that up? I don't
1: think they can keep up as in uh, staying at the top of the league. But I Not do, in the I top of the league, practice. but, you know,
0: t- challenging for top four. I mean, uh, they look they look a more cohesive unit than either Spurs or United at the moment.
1: Yeah, they do. And um, what I would imagine, they all look together. Uh, even even like the ce- the celebrations for like, that Richardson's penalty, I know it's a small thing, but they're they're all together and they they look quite united and and like they're enjoying themselves under Ancelotti. Um, I think the signings have, have been really good. Obviously, James has just added a little bit of uh, a bit of magic to the team, but the two in midfield have just given them a platform where Dinier, who's who's been one of their most creative players the last few seasons, has now. Got even greater license to go forward because he's got two midfielders in there who will do the dirty work, who can cover ground, and they, they look they look balanced. If they, if they keep the players fit, I think they can definitely push for Europe top four. We'll see, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't see any reason why they can't be right in the mix. They, they look they look solid, they look together, and they, yeah, they look a cohesive unit, shall we say.
0: Is, uh, is that Harry's Liverpool hat on there that's stopping him from committing to that, Peter? Or do you think uh, Everett can have a chance?
2: Yeah, I think the way the season's kind of... It's going to be... We just have to kind of wait to see. But it does kind of look like... Last season, we all kind of went, you know... Because it was like United... Arsenal, Spurs, like Ar- Spurs and Arsenal fell way off last year. And then it was like Leicester, United and Chelsea were actively trying not to finish in the top four at one stage. Do you remember? It was just, it was like no one wanted it. And we all kind of assumed that it was kind of reset again this year almost to being the traditional top 6 albeit be with Liverpool and Man City out on their own. But I'm not so sure now after the first few weeks, unless United bring in some players, um. Spurs, if they like Harry said, if potentially if they keep Bale fit, because Harry Kane's looked really good to be fair. Um and Son's yeah, Son's out injured at the moment, but you know he Son's a phenomenal player in his day. That that's you know, that's right up there with the best front threes in Europe if they're all fit and firing. Um, it's whether Mourinho can get the best out of them will be interesting. Chelsea look a mess, to be perfectly honest with you. Um,
0: and uh, actually, on on Chelsea, then Peter, we kind of spoke about them a little bit earlier on in the show. But uh, yeah, they're they're not. I mean, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it it it's quite funny to see. Like you know, I was kind of saying, I think after the yeah,
0: the, the wait, wait, hang on, <laughs> uh, am I? Um, wait. Do I have to take back that humble pie I had to eat in the first episode of the season? Are Chelsea going to implode? Are they fucked?
2: No, because they're Chelsea. So even Shit. like the most Chelsea thing to do will be to sack Lampard after um, sack Lampard after six months and then like win the FA Cup and uh, finish third or something. That's that's how, <laughs> Chelsea, that's how Chelsea operate. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it, it just looks crazy because them structural issues, like there was stat going around like they average two they average conceding two goals away from home more slightly more than two goals away from home in every game premier league game since um since Lampard came in like they conceded as many away goals last season as norwich city
0: that's so dreadful.
2: like seriously like i said like he even the other day in that game like his his midfield was flying forward he had his front players there um, I, don't, I don't think he really knows what to do with Timo Werner and Kai Havertz yet. They haven't settled too quickly in the Premier League. I know they've scored a few goals in, in the EFL. Um, but he, he has Reese James and, and Marcus Alonso absolutely bombing on as if they're wingers. Just leaves the two defenders there and there's no kind of protection in, in front of the back four a lot of the time from the midfield. It, it's, it's structurally they're, they're a bit of a mess and it just seems that he got this 200 million budget and spent it all on, on attacking players without really needing them. I, I think Kai Havertz, uh, you know, on his day, is one of the most aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing footballers to watch in the world. But I don't think they really needed him. I think they could have spent that £70 million on on a, on a top-class centre-back. Uh, I don't think Ben Chilwell's going to solve their issues. Reese James is great going forward. He might have to bring in back in Asquilla Quetta, to be honest, just to give them some kind of balance. Um, but he's going to have a real I know they have Pulisic to come back but that's another attacking player Um, there just just seems to be real issues with that team and I I don't think he's really solved them except that they might score more goals this summer but they're not going to stop them this season I mean but they're not going to stop them going in in the other end like uh, you know I said about building the house without the foundation Mm. Um, that's what it looks like there's talk that they're going to try and sell a couple of players and get Declan Rice in um, I I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily going to solve all their issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've, they've have, got Pal,
0: they've got Palace up next in the league, which see, who seem like a team pretty much set up to do damage to to a team like Chelsea.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they'll just leave kind of either Iu or Townsend and and Zaha kind of in cheating positions against them, and and they they could really if if Will Zaha is is still there by the weekend, and um, they, they could definitely, um, like you said, they are the team to, you know, keep it keep their back four and the midfield very very compact, very close together, and and hit them on the break. So, it it will be, you know it'll be interesting to see because they weren't good against Brighton. Um, Brighton have completely outplayed both Chelsea and Man United in the first couple of games of the season and got nothing, Um and then they were obviously fair enough they came back you know against West Brom but West Brom are pretty woeful defensively themselves and so it's going to be it's going to be really it's just going to be fascinating to see because you know you know is Lampard this dud that some people make him out to be Um, or you know is he going to be a really good coach but just from the outside looking in it looks like it's a massive oversight from by, by not strengthening that that defence. Like look at all the players they have. They're overloaded in, in midfield and attack. Um, but they they they're very, very limited. And strangely enough, Rudiger looks like he's gonna leave the club. I would have had him down as the best of a bad bunch from Zoom. I think Zoom is terrible. Christensen is like Bambi on ice. I would have had I don't think Rudiger's a really good player, but I would have had him down as the best of a bad bunch. So very strange that it looks like he's on the way out so what are they going to go into the season with Tamori um, Christensen uh, Thiago Silva 36 year old Thiago, Thiago Silva you know you just look at that and you think it's like he's put together this this midfield and, and star-studded midfield and attack and the, the defensive options and, and this Mendy guy coming in I don't know much about him but I don't know if. Yeah, he, he he's going to be under a lot of pressure as well. So, just looks like they're they're so lightweight weight at the back, and the way he sets them up doesn't protect that back four either. So, um, I'm kind of leaning towards maybe Frank being under a bit of pressure quite soon because even when he came out after the the West Brom game, he was he was blaming the mistakes, and he's you know he he can't of you know obviously it's not his fault. Tiago Silva falling on his earth or so Marcus Alonso is head header back, but.
0: The touch of the Mourinho about it wasn't there.
2: Yeah, no, but like you know, he's not—he's the one who sent his team out to just all start running forward, except the two centre backs. You know that—that's on the manager, like so. Um, yeah, it's 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 Chelsea are are one to watch this season because there's going to be fireworks in their games. There's going to be loads and loads of goals, which I think I said at the start of last season too. To be fair,
0: yeah. Um, we've uh, well something I, I said earlier at the at the start of the show was how. You know, it feels like even three games into the season that some things are already decided, whether it's City not probably going to challenge, whether it's Chelsea, who we thought were going to, maybe not. United almost certainly not. Um, But I think it's it's maybe the same at the other end of the table too. Uh, Harry, you mentioned Fulham earlier. Are they doomed already?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, there's, There's only a few days left of the transfer window and they... I just look at their team and it just stinks of the championship. And they've they've got so many of the players who, who came up two years ago and struggled and weren't good enough then, and they've they've come back up with those players. And it, I just think like, what do, what do they say about insanity? Is doing doing the same thing over again and expecting different results? Because that that's just what it feels like to me with with that defense. Um, Hector, Adoy. They're just not good enough. They're just not good enough for the Premier League, and, and Villa just cut them apart. And Villa are not exactly a team that screams goal scoring, but they they just what is it? Ten, 10 goals now they've conceded in three games, mm-hmm. and no no signs of. It's just like they just they get the ball to Mitrovic. They wanted to win headers, and they think they think that's going to be enough to stay up. And it's just not. I, I can't see anyway they're gonna stay up unless they make some real big signings in the next few days. But even then I think they've got a job on.
2: They're dreadful. I, I'm gonna go and obviously Steve who presents the other pods is is a big Vulham fan. So I hope he's not listening. But I'm gonna go all out and say Vulham will break the record. They'll concede a hundred goals this season.
0: Wow. Oh, and uh points tally? Lowest ever or
2: um I did no When I died that derby record runs at eleven. That's yeah. that that's completely out in a row. No unless they sign Robbie Savage, then I'll then I'll get behind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, uh what about Leeds uh, then? Uh Leeds got another win and uh the guy that we all said wasn't going to score goals, Bam Bam Bamford, has got a uh, three goals in three games.
2: Yeah, it was actually I, I only saw the second half of that first Yorkshire Derby and whatever it was, twenty five odd years or something like that. Um yeah, two two decent teams to watch. It was kind of a hard, hard-fought game. And your man, from, was, I think it was important for Leeds to get the clean sheet, you know, after yeah. him kind of, you know, con- conceding-, conceding
0: three to Fulham. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that, that was kind of, that was bad. Um, and the goalkeeper played really well. He's only about 20-odd or something. There was a couple of question marks over him. He made two big saves, one from Lundstrom um, and one from Bald- Baldock, I, th- I think, to keep them in the game. And then the, the cross from uh, Jack Harrison uh, with his left foot as well for um, for Bamford was superb, and it was a great header by Bamford back across across the goal. So a lot of people were tipping, you know, Rodrigo to be the man, but he hasn't actually looked great in the first few games. And um, whenever what I've seen of him and and Bamford's, um, you know, I, Bamford missed a lot of chances last year, all the rest of it, and he took a lot of sticks. So you know, I'm happy enough for to see him. Scoring, scoring a few goals. I don't think it lasts. I think he's just on a bit of a streak. But um, yeah, it, it's a great start for Leeds. Seven points, especially as we've been talking, where so many other clubs of the so-called big clubs seem to be kind of in a bit of an identity crisis. Don't really know what they're doing at the moment. Um, it's uh, you know get off to a good start. They'll uh, they'll definitely be safe leads. And if if they can kind of get a few more good results over the next few weeks. They 'll be able to start looking up the table throughout the course of the season instead of over their shoulders, which is which is good because I know I know Leeds fans will, coming up or coming up to compete not just to be there but really you know after so long that the first thing first thing that Ch- you
0: know.
2: yeah it was to take to off your list, so if they can get kind of fifteen points off on the, on the board after say eight games or something that'll be a, a, a brilliant start for any newly promoted side you know
0: yeah there's one thing that you you kind of touched on there that just struck a uh, struck a note from what we were talking about earlier on, um, and that's how so many of the clubs are just going through this sort of identity crisis. And the last time that happened, that's when Leicester uh, won the title, and you know Spurs weren't able to capitalize that on that. You know, we're talking about the other bigger clubs that might have filled that void after United sort of collapsed and everything like that. And it just strikes me that while that might be happening or continuing to happen in the case of United. Liverpool are there now, they are the big club they are the powerhouse and I, I, I don't see them don't see them relinquishing that no matter how many these uh, other clubs might, you know the kind of runs that they might put together whether it's Leicester again or, or whoever
2: Yeah it's, it's sad time Sam It's really
0: really rough uh, I'm going to do a slightly different quiz this week I've got uh, a bunch of football quotes and I want you to tell me who, who said them
2: Sam I don't like change
0: I know, I know, I know, I know. But, you know, you you had a clean sweep last week. I think we were almost a clean sweep last week. We need to change it up a little bit. Uh, So this may work. It may not work. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'll start with a fairly famous quote. I never make predictions and I never will. Who said that? He was a famous uh, player for England. Played for Spurs. Played for Newcastle.
2: Peter. Peter. Chris Waddle.
0: No, Harry. Gaza. It's Gaza. Very good. Uh, this next quote: a player, uh, the player said, "I could I couldn't settle in Italy. It was like living in a foreign Peter. country." Peter. Peter. It's In Rush. It's In Rush. Rush, of course, it is. Uh, how about this one? We must have had ninety nine percent of the match. It was the other three percent that cost us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mathematician, then.
0: Yeah. Uh, Peter. Peter Big Ron not Big Ron no this was a Dutch player Peter Peter
2: Rude Hollis it is Rude Hollis
0: very good 2-1 I'll give you <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, say first to three um, <laughs> my parents have been there for me ever since I was about seven Harry <laughs> Harry <laughs> <laughs> Harry David Beckham it is David Beckham <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs>
2: <laughs> what, did, they, did they adopt him or something?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, s- staying with David... Be- <laughs> that's great. Staying with David Beckham. Without being too harsh on David Beckham, he cost us the match.
2: <laughs> Peter. Peter. Sir Alex.
0: It wasn't Sir Alex, no. Peter. Peter. Harry. Glenn, Glenn Hoddle. Nope. England player... Peter. Harry. Harry. Shearer. Not Shearer. England player. Arsenal player.
2: Peter. Tony Adams.
0: Nope. Uh, Harry. Seaman. Not David Seaman. Nope. Peter. Peter. Ian Rice. It is Ian Wright. There you go. All right. I think that's first oh, of three. Gosh. You got it. I, I had one more in the in the can, which was uh, I'm going to make a prediction. It could go either way.
2: that's that's Jamie (laughs) Redknapp
0: Rob Atkinson it was but it's a good one uh right almost it uh just time for prick of the week Peter who have you got
2: I'm gonna go with um with David Ellery who is the uh one of the heads of whatever IFAB. this you know the, the body that's that's pushing this new handball rule um I never really liked David Ellery. Do you remember him as a referee? He just had that real school teachery vibe to him mm-hmm. as well. I just always thought he was a prick. So when I heard he's behind this, I thought, yeah, that's if the cap fits, you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm going give to it, give it to him. Although I do think, you know, Andy Carroll could become a hundred million player if you just go around <laughs> heading the ball into people's hands. <laughs> that, could, that could be fun too.
0: Harry, who have you got?
1: I've gone for Neil Mopay um just just for the the cry celebration against united and i know I know it's a popular celebration at the minute, and the kids love it on FIFA and it's like the perfect trolling celebration, but when you score in the first half and do that, you're just setting yourself up for a big fall, I know when does it. I don't know if this is news to Neil Mopé, but he's not Mbappé. <laughs> <And I think laughs>
0: Needs work, to the work,
1: Yeah, I just think the world works in mysterious ways, doesn't it? And karma comes around quickly. So when he gave away that penalty in the whatever minute it was, 100th minute, it was quite, even though it was United, it was quite enjoyable to watch, yeah. So he's my <laughs> prick of the week.
0: Yeah, I I think that's fair enough. Uh, I think he gets the overall Prick of the Week award this week. Uh, That's it from me. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, we will be back again next week, but there'll be a couple of other pods in your feed in the meantime with the uh, Fantasy Football Pod with Steve and, of course, the uh, 90s pod too. Who's featured this week, Peter?
2: A big dunk. Dunk and Disorderly Ferguson came out
0: uh, (laughs) on
2: Monday and we are going to record Dennis Wise tomorrow
0: nice very good and uh, if you subscribe uh, to this pod you'll hear all those as well so make sure you do that and it'll just appear on your phone uh just time to say thanks to peter thanks peter
2: cheers lads enjoyed that
0: cheers harry cheers pleasure and make sure you check out thefootballfaithful.com for lots more great football content i'll see you next time